Welcome to the Pussy Centered Living Podcast. My name is Jenny Braxton. I'm a sexuality and empowerment coach, a sex, love, and relationship alchemist, and the founder of the School of Pussy Centered Living. This podcast is here to be your inspiration, your support, the education you always needed but never got, so that you can step into what I call pussy-centered living, which is a desire-led and pleasure-based way of living and creating your life that centers around the source of your true power, that which I call pussy. In this podcast, you're going to have the pleasure of hearing me speak solo and with guests on the wide range of topics that fall under pussy-centered living. Other weeks, you'll get a taste of my one-on-one coaching as I coach guest clients on all matters of pussy, pleasure, sex, love, relationships, and creating the life that you truly desire. There will be a lot of different ideas, perspectives, and beliefs shared on this podcast, and I invite you to stay open in your mind, in your heart, and in your pussy as you listen. Take what resonates with you and feel free to leave the rest. And I'm always willing to do better, so please share any constructive feedback that may come up for you. My desire is that you get turned on to the magic, the pleasure, and the power that is inherent within you, and to support you in creating the life you truly desire in a way that is pleasurable, sustainable, nourishing, and aligned with who you truly are. Hello, hello, Pussy Queen. Happy New Year. And welcome back to the Pussy Centered Living Podcast. We did take a little break last week to really soak up the goodness of the new year. And so I I hope you had a little opportunity to miss me. And now we are back, renewed and ready to dive into this truly delightful, beautiful, pleasureful conversation with my friend and sister, Torin McGill. But first, I do just want to share something that is very exciting or share that there is something very exciting coming up, but I'm not going to tell you just yet. I am going to allow you to be in tantalizing anticipation until next week when I will then announce all the juicy details. So for now, just know that if you want a deep dive, guided, and embodied experience of pussy-centered living with moi, then make sure that we are connected so that you know as soon as the juicy details about this opportunity come up. So if you are not already, go ahead and follow me on Facebook. I'm there at Jenny Braxton or on Instagram at Pussy with three S's, P-U-S-S-S-Y dot centered dot living. Or you can also check out the show notes below and get on my email list. I do write delicious emails. 
And yes, so I'm very, very excited to share this and what is upcoming. It's going to be so beautiful. It's going to be so good. And the only other teaser that I'm going to leave you with is that this opportunity is accessible to all. So make sure you listen to the podcast next week or and or that we are connected on the socials so that you hear me share this beautiful upcoming opportunity. And now back to Torin Miguel. Torin is a pleasure embodiment coach as well as a sex, love, and relationship coach. And she is a true voluptuary, a person whose life is devoted to the pursuit and enjoyment of luxury and sensual pleasure. And this conversation with Torin it is luxurious, it is sensual, and it is full of pleasure. In this episode, we talk about so many things, including how you cannot be a powerful woman and be afraid of your pussy. We talk about pleasure as a resource, not a reward. And we talk about men. Men and the patriarchy, men and their pleasure, men and how they can support you in your pleasure. Now, one of the things that Torin talks about that I just want to speak to here for a moment is the idea of comfort. And so one of the things she says is get in your comfort zone. And this is because when you're comfortable, you're feeling safe. And when you're feeling comfortable and safe, then you can make a decision from pleasure instead of from a trauma response. Now, the reason I want to mention this here is because this is a different perspective on comfort than we've talked about before on the podcast. A couple episodes back, I had a conversation with my friend Brigitte Yeruso Soto on how we can use pleasure and pussy connection to be better allies in the dismantling of racism. In that conversation, we looked at comfort as an aspect of white fragility, right? Comfort as a mechanism that actually helps keep systems of oppression in place, right? Because when you're the ones empowered by the system, that's comfortable, right? And it's uncomfortable to do the work that's needed to change those systems of oppression. And generally, we don't like to feel uncomfortable and those systems of oppression continue. Right? So in that conversation, we were talking about pleasure as a tool to support you in getting uncomfortable in order to create the needed change. Now, Torin, a beautiful black woman, is speaking to a different side of comfort, right? Comfort as indicative of safety, comfort as pleasure, comfort as a way to heal from the trauma inflicted by those systems of oppression. And so as you listen to this conversation and what Torin has to say about comfort, I invite you to notice what your relationship with comfort is and to notice maybe where in your life do you need to use pleasure as a way to hold you through needed discomfort, right? Like the discomfort that's often or maybe always needed in order to create change, right? Like the discomfort of having difficult but necessary conversations or the discomfort of standing up for what you believe in, right? And where in your life do you need or get to welcome comfort as a way of having a regulated nervous system, as a way of not putting up with things that are not serving you, 
that don't feel good, right? Where you can welcome in comfort, like a warm, soft blanket around your nervous system, right? So that you are making decisions from pleasure, which of course is your power, and not from a trauma response. So while you contemplate these questions around comfort for yourself, enjoy this beautiful and powerful conversation with me and Torin. But just one last thing, which is that if you would like to have an embodied and guided experience of reclaiming pussy, pleasure, and your own power to create a life that turns you the fuck on, then go ahead and check out the School of Pussy-Centered Living self-paced version. The School of Pussy-Centered Living is my signature foundational program that I've created and evolved and taught over the last three years to over 60 students. And so I can say with conviction and evidence that this is a truly transformative, life-changing program. In the School of Pussy-Centered Living, you reclaim your body, your pussy, your pleasure, your desire, and your inherent sexual nature. You'll gently heal trauma while reawakening the sensual, sexual woman you truly are, empowered to create your most vibrant, radiant, and deeply pleasurable life. And with the self-paced version of the School of Pussy-Centered Living, you can integrate the knowledge and embody the practices on your own time. And when I teach the live version of the school in March, you'll be invited to join this live program for a fraction of the original cost. As a listener of this podcast, you save $111 off the self-paced version of the School of Pussy-Centered Living by using the coupon code LISTENER. So either head down to the show notes or go to jennybraxton.com, click on the School of Pussy-Centered Living in the menu, and use coupon code LISTENER for $111 off the self-paced version. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R for $111 off. Now enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome everyone. I am so excited. I mean, I know I always say that, but I'm truly, truly so excited (laughs) to get into this conversation with the divine Torin McGill. Thank you, Miss Jenny. It is a great, great pleasure to be here. Oh, I am so excited to have you. And I will just give a quick little introduction on how we know each other. And then I'm going to let you give us the deep, juicy introduction to okay. your to yourself. <laughs> but Torin and I met while we were in Layla Martin's um, Love, Sex and Relationship Coaching Certification Program together that we completed back in 2020. Although we really didn't, I mean, I, I, we, I kind of knew of you in the program, but we didn't actually really have any direct connection in the online portion of the program. But then when we went to our retreat in Costa Rica, which mm. was 
Ooh. <laughs> and really not so much a retreat, more like a initiatory, initiatory boot camp for sex witches and yes. pussy queens. Yes. Totally <laughs> concur. And royal beings. <laughs> um, it was truly incredible. And that is where I got to meet you in your be in your presence. I got to mm, have some beautiful self-love sessions right next to you. <laughs> that was a good time. Oh, I'm so oh, glad was, you were there. Oh, oh, it was so potent and so powerful. And so that is really where I got to really meet you and get to know you. And the more I get to know you, the more I want to know you. So um, <laughs> I am so excited to um yeah, pick your brain a little bit today and have yes. some delicious and juicy conversation about so many things I think we're going to touch on on pleasure and how mm. pleasure is the opposite of trauma and how pleasure can also support us in healing from trauma. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about how for a lot of us, we actually have some conscious programming that actually tells us we don't want to feel good, like that we're actually afraid or we resist feeling good. Mm And then, um, and then I also really want to talk about men with you because, oh, I know you work with men. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm Torin, as you mentioned, the pleasure priestess. I am a sex, love and relationships coach, a tantric sex coach and a men's sexuality coach. I'm also a pleasure embodiment coach. And that's really where my work started. Um, as a former everything, actress, dancer, performer, singer, it was, you know, we spent a lot of time in that work learning to embody some character or learning to embody some emotion that's usually choreographed or um, developed for the scene, right? And then as, you know, I'm also, I have spent lots of time studying kizinology and somatics and the bodies and um, as dance instructors, as a fitness instructor, and you really get to know bodies and you really get to know that there's um, a lot of not only tension, but like you were saying, forced, I have to do this in order to, right? In order to look good, in order to feel better, in order to perform well. And yet, um, when I started my bakery, it was really about bringing pleasure back to food and let's start with dessert. Because I also noticed one of the first things we as people do when we decide to transform our life or to make our changes or whatever is we actually get rid of our pleasure. And that does not make any of our changes sustainable. It makes some changes and changes will happen. But if you've ever noticed yourself on a yo-yo diet or if you've ever noticed yourself, you know, in a, in and out of a mood swing, it's because you have cut out pleasure in your life and that is not sustainable. So when I started the bakery of bringing pleasure back to food, it was really about let's talk about how to be with a brownie without condemning it of guilt and shame, right? Like I used to tell people all the time, I didn't bake any guilt or shame in it. It's actually none of the ingredients. So do not eat this brownie and add any guilt or shame to it. Let me teach you how to do that. And then I ended up spending more time teaching people how to embody their pleasure and starting with their food. And I was like, you know what? We need to shift this. So that's where I became a pleasure embodiment coach. 
I was teaching sensual movement and pole dancing. And I was like, a pleasure embodiment coach really kind of encompasses all the things that I have done before that led me to this point. And so now I have all of these tools to help other people access them through pleasure. Because before I was accessing dance or fitness or your body for this specific goal to help you perform a whole lot better. But when I say to you, okay, you're doing this because you want to feel good and you can actually allow this movement to feel good, that changes everything. That changes your sustainability, that changes your resource, that changes your window of tolerance. And most people assume pleasure and sex are synonyms. So the minute I tell them I'm a pleasure embodiment coach, they want to talk to me about their sex life. And I was like, wait, no, no. And although I had, you know, my own life experience and plenty of knowledge on before that, I thought, oh, I should get certified. So now we can have that conversation and I can feel confident in knowing in the way that you want to lead that. Right. So that's how all that that's how all of that birth itself, I guess. Um, that's it's really a calling, I'm sure, as you know, that I decided to answer. And mm. it was truly a shock to me. And all of it was truly a shock to me. I never grew up told you telling you that I wanted to own a bakery, that I wanted to, you know, I, no. <laughs> None of this was my thought process. The professional actress, the professional dancer, the professional performer was definitely part of my thought process. But working in a law firm between then and now and uh, becoming a certified sex coach was not the way that I saw the stars written, but it's totally fits and feels really good to be here. So thank you for mm. having me. Oh, it is such a joy to have you. And I have already learned, I did not know that you had so many skills and have already been and done so many different things in your life. Like that is amazing. Um, I love hearing about it. And I completely resonate. Like never once did I grow up saying, I want to grow up to be a pussy centered queen. <laughs> <laughs> to grow up and be a sex coach. I had no idea. <clears throat> In fact, my very first episode, which is called Why Pussy, and I, I kind of give my my journey of how, how did I even get mm. here? And yeah, it, I mean, it was really not until a short while ago that I actually realized that this was my calling. But I, I love what you said about just, you know, you know, starting with food and then incorporating it into, you know, with like dance and fitness and and following this this calling of pleasure. And mm. this is where it has led you. Yes. And so I'm curious then. Um, you know, so I obviously use the word pussy a lot and pussy-centered <laughs> <laughs> pussy living. And so I'm curious for you, like, what does pussy mean for you? And even though pussy-centered living is kind of the words I use to describe it, like, how, how do you live pussy-centered in your own life? Like, what does mm. that look like for you? Beautiful question. Um, so pussy was not a word that I used until maybe five years ago when I started work with Mama Gina. And I was like, I feel like she's going to keep saying this, like, I'm going to have to. <laughs> so it, it has really shifted not only my life, but my perspective of, right, what does pussy want? And what would turn pussy on? And what feels good to pussy in this moment? To even stop before I do a practice and ask pussy if she wants this, to get mm -hmm. consent from my own pussy about whatever it is I think I'm going to do for her, 
And to honestly honor her yes or her no is a huge transition to all things. Mm. It then, you know, transitions to, do you want this hotel room? No, I don't. I used to try and uh, accommodate myself in all kinds of accommodations, right? Like, this is fine. I mean, there's no need for me to complain. It's fine. It's fine. And even just lately, checking into a hotel and being like, this is not fine. The pussy is not okay with this. And having to call them and being like, yeah, this is not okay. I'm checking out. (laughs) Yeah. And I want my refund, right? So it's now a matter of not just how much pleasure can I evolve into and consume and allow, but it's also a matter of where my standards really are as a goddess and as a queen and not accepting things that are not okay and expecting things to be more than okay. Mm, mm, I love that. Like having that expect, having that expectation that it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And then if it turns out that it's not, well, then I'm going to breathe down into my pussy and use my voice and speak up for myself. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 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 And how do you then make it so right? So for me, the word pussy not only means the anatomical parts of a body but it also means like when I use it I say all the time that I'm talking about all things I'm talking about the energy admitting from the energy you're receiving in I'm talking about your vulva and all of the lips and all of the parts and I'm also talking about the power of which you're activating and moving from Mm -hmm. so how then you know where do you want to show up in your pussy and where are you not showing up um psalm isadora has a saying that you cannot be a powerful woman and be afraid of your pussy Mm, mm, that is a good saying amen to that right so when i say it for me it's like how then are you going to recognize your own power and Mm. knowing that your pussy is actually the center of that power where do you activate into it where do you breathe into it where do you allow her to be like yes no no yes and for me living a pussy-centered life honestly is obviously is something I say in my like daily prayers of like my desire is to allow my pussy to lead when my pussy is leading I am turned on I am feeling good not to say that I'm using pleasure as a bypass because that it doesn't work that way right in order to feel pleasure you have to feel all the other things so I'm expressing my anger, cussing you out if I need to. I'm calling you in if I need to. I'm telling you that's a no. I'm telling you that's a yes. Um, I was on a beach just recently and some white man said to me, you know, not to worry because racism was going to die as soon as all the boomers died. Now, my previous non-pussy-centered life would have been like, okay. My pussy-centered life was like, well, that's a beautiful thought. But let me just, as a banker, throw out a number for you. 450 years. 450 years. So are you telling me in just, let's say five years time, let's give the boomers five more years. In five years time, you're going to stop banking the way that you're banking because now racism will be dead. So now the more people who get the loans will be the black people and the more people that you hire will actually be black. Are you going to tell me that you're going to surrender your paycheck and make sure that everybody in your bank gets paid equally? In five years time, 
Yeah, I don't think you should say that to anybody. Yeah. So it means, you know, pussy-centered living to me is an activism that does not necessarily require violence. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. It's an activism that comes from from pleasure, right? And this yes. the type of power that is, you know, we so often do associate power with some kind of violence because yes. we have been used to power in this world being power over. Mm-hmm. But the way that I experience the power of pussy, it's really power with, mm-hmm. like not yes. power over. Yes. And, and so, yeah, we get to, we get to, to use that, right. As this, like you said, this type of, this type of activism where we can stand in our truth and we can speak what needs to be said and we can scream and rage and do all the things that we need to, but it's anchored in this place of our own pleasure and our own power. Yes, absolutely. It's like that, uh, church song I was going to say gospel but it's not really a gospel the way that I grew up with it right like this little light of mine Mm. I'm gonna let it shine and my light does not dim your light Mm. in fact when our lights are shining together we are a whole lot brighter right so Mm. if my turn on can infuse your turn on and we can be turned on together we are now shining a whole lot brighter and the world needs our lights the world needs pussies turned on and the world needs to honor all pussies so Mm. that's Mm. that's that answer in a nutshell (laughs) i love that answer i'm just like filled up with so much just like these like tingles and goosebumps Mm. and just like yes 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 and and that's what I just love so much about, about this work with pussy, right? That she, she, she's not meant to be alone, right? Yes. Like she, it's not like you said, it is not about, oh, my light is going to shine brighter than yours. My light's going to outshine your light. Like, no, fuck no. Our lights shine so beautifully together. Yes. And, oh, I just, I just really love that so much. Mm. And so this is kind of leading me. I, I would love for you to speak a little bit to one of the the terms that you like to use that we were chatting about a moment ago, yes, which is to be a voluptuous. Wait, I'm actually I'm gonna let you say it because I don't <laughs> think I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> tell me, tell me, Torin, what are the you? The word is voluptuary. 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 I always want to say voluptuary. 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 Yes. voluptuary. Voluptuary. Yeah, it's a real word. It came across my dictionary.com um, app as word of the day. And I was like, voluptuary. And the real definition is a person whose life is devoted to the pursuit and enjoyment. I think enjoyment is a key word there, right? So mm-hmm. not just the pursuit, but an enjoyment of luxury and sensual pleasure. Mm-hmm. 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 And so, you know, the question that comes up immediately actually in my mind as I'm listening to that and perhaps could come up in someone other someone else's mind is like that word kind of luxury, right? Because we have this idea that luxury is actually um, something that maybe is outside of our reach, right? Maybe mm-hmm. we feel like we can't afford luxury or mm-hmm. that maybe we're not deserving of luxury or maybe luxury mm-hmm. is selfish or frivolous. And mm-hmm. obviously luxury can mean many things, right? But I'm curious for you, like, is 
is this pursuit and this enjoyment of, of luxury and pleasure and feeling good? Is that something that is selfish, frivolous, that we should like earn, that we need to earn, um, that's only available for some of us and not all of us? Like, what, mm. what do you feel about that? So first, I want to say your, your thought process is beautiful. And many people do think that. But many people also think that about pleasure, right? Like mm. that's an after effect that's a reward. I don't have time for that. I can't afford that. That is for other people. So what I love about this definition is putting luxury and pleasure in the same sentence. Mm. To me, pleasure is the luxury Mm. and pleasure is a birthright for all people, for Mm. all beings, right? The sun, flowers, there are flowers that will literally turn to open so they can feel the sun on their petals, right? There are literally animals who will, who we call cold-blooded, who will find themselves in the sun, soaking up the sun because it feels good, right? So it is a birthright. And as you notice, babies who laugh, what, like a thousand times a day, when humans as adults only laugh like six times a day. And babies search ways to feel good. Oh, that's my toe. Oh, that feels good. Let's just keep pulling on it. This feels good. And things that don't feel good, they'll let you know, right? There's a cry, there's a whatever, scream. So I think what people forget is that pleasure is not, is both a reward because yes, it happens after things, right? Particularly if you're in the practice of rewarding yourself with pleasure. And also pleasure is the original source and it is good not in connection to or versus that was bad but the world was made for those of us that believe in the creation story and it is good so Mm. pleasure is yours as a birthright and so for those of us who are still in the thought pattern of i have to earn it or the same being true with luxury right like that's for something somebody else I want to remind you that luxury and pleasure are actually, you know, very close and they're your birthright. And that luxury, just like that pleasure, looks different for everybody. Some people, it's a fabric. Some people, it's, you know, not starting your day at 6 a.m. Some people, it's being sure to start your day by 4 a.m., right? It brings them great pleasure to be up with the sun. I'm like, ah, let me know when it's like up and then I'll meet you. That, that's not a luxury for me. That would be a pain point for me. So finding what is your pleasure point is also discovering what is your luxury. Mm. Baths aren't for everyone. I love baths. Pour in lots of bubbles, let it smell good. And I'll be there for quite some time. Water though, you know, serves everybody. Every being needs water. And do you enjoy it river? Do you enjoy it fresh? Do you enjoy it salt? Do you, you know, so... Your pleasure is your luxury. And the minute you allow yourself to be um, and to receive, right? Because a lot of times we think we have to earn it or we have to get it out of the mud. And sometimes it's just a matter of just being still and resting your eyes or noticing five things around you that you actually like or bring you joy or noticing the sun on the leaves or your feet in the sand or, you know, so it's all of those are luxurious things. And all of those uh, 
luxury, just like pleasure, is for everybody. Um, it's never out of reach. It can be created. It can be expanded. And the more you take your time with your food, right, that's a luxury to sit down and take a bite, be with that bite, and then be with another bite. That's a luxury. We, particularly here in North America, are like, how much can I consume quickly and fast and not feel it, not taste it, not hear it, and move on, right? But if you're a coffee drinker, what does your coffee smell like when it comes right out of the window to you in that warm cup? That is a luxury to be able to feel the warmth of that coffee, to be able to smell it, to be able to inhale it, be able to taste it. That is a luxury. And that is your birthright if that is your pleasure. So mm, mm, I love that all so much. And yeah, really what I'm hearing you say and that I absolutely agree with is that so often pleasure or luxury is really a shift in perspective, mm -hmm. a slowing down, Mm -hmm. coming into our bodies and connecting with our senses because that mm -hmm. is how pleasure comes into us is through mm -hmm. our senses and that it's really something that is available to us anytime anywhere no matter mm -hmm. who we are yeah and it becomes a luxury right because not everybody in the world yet uh is moving from their pleasure points they are often moving from their pain points or their trauma points, or their trigger mm -hmm. points. And so just imagine if someone, let's say you're in the Starbucks line, and you stop to be in the luxury and the pleasure of whatever it is you just ordered, and the person behind you recognizes you in their pleasure point. So instead of honking, they're now pleasured that you're pleasured. Like, hmm, look at that. She's enjoying that coffee. Ooh, yeah, mine's coming next. Right, that changes everything versus right so yes absolutely our senses our body is our key to our everything to our pleasure to our emotions to our luxury being in a body is a luxury hmm. being an able body is hmm. a luxury when was hmm. the last time you stopped to honor and worship that Hmm. Well, personally, this morning. <laughs> so well brag. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that, you know, and that for me, you know, I love too that in that definition of voluptuary. <laughs> Why do I have such a hard time? Voluptuary. There we go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> See, I just have to slow down and get into the pleasure of the uh -huh. word voluptuary. Yes. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, and I love that in that definition, you use the word devoted. Mm -hmm. And so that is one of the things that that me myself being pussy centered and living a pussy centered life, right? It brings me into this devotion with myself, mm -hmm. right? With my divinity, with mm -hmm. my body, with my humanity. And it's like, that is the thing that, that reminds me, that invites me to slow down mm -hmm. and to connect in with my luxury and my pleasure because yeah, I might like wake up and just like go into my day and it's so busy and there's all these things to do, but I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm a pussy-centered woman. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a pussy-centered queen. <laughs> pussy-centered queens don't rush around in stress. Like, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to breathe into my pussy. I'm going mm. to honor what a fucking luxury it is to mm. be in this human body and experiencing this beautiful pleasure through my senses. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to honor that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to honor that. And so... 
you know, that kind of brings me to one of these topics we wanted to talk about, which is right, a pleasure and and also how that relates to trauma. And so, you know, a moment ago you were sharing how how pleasure is our birthright, right? And mm-hmm. that we are born in this state of of seeking our pleasure. And yeah, like, you know, like what is this thing attached to my foot, this toe? Like, oh, it feels so good to grab onto this toe or whatever it might be, right? That that is our our natural state. And so uh, how is it that you see, like, what what happens to us? What happens Mm. to us that we get knocked out of that natural state? And then eventually we get to this place, like you were saying earlier, that we actually don't actually like feeling good at at a subconscious level, right? Consciously, Mm -hmm. we think we want to feel good, but actually subconsciously, we're like, oh no, no, feeling pleasure, feeling good. Actually, that's not okay. So Mm -hmm. how do we get there? Like, how does that happen? Yeah, life, right? Mm -hmm. That is the duality of being a human. Our humanness can be treacherous and horrid Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we can do enormous poor choices and harm upon ourselves and other people. And uh, that's why like you'll hear me and others say, you know, children, they're fresh out. They're closer to that gap of remembering that they are both divine and sovereign Mm -hmm. Um, but life happens to us traumas happen to us and people happen to us right I don't remember who said it but you can be hurt and harmed in relationship and you can heal in relationship Mm -hmm. and that's because we're human and so that's what happens Um, and Sometimes in our humanness, you know, we forget our birthrights. We forget who we are. And in that humanity, usually what I find what happens way back when, whether it be some memory that you have or some something else, when you're this pleasured child, jollying around, feeling good, skipping, singing out loud, doing whatever feels good to you, somebody somewhere made you feel bad for feeling good. Somebody somewhere laughed at you. Somebody somewhere said, don't do that. Somebody somewhere, particularly if you're a little girl was like, oh no, young ladies don't act that way, right? Somebody somewhere told you that your pleasure in its current reflection in your body was wrong, bad, not for the good of all of us. And I would like to say under the general umbrella of humans being good more than bad, it was out of a scarcity thought and it was a need to protect you, right? If you are out loud and bold, people are going to see you and I can't protect you if you get out there. So I need you to shut that shit down and behave like a nice little young girl, right? So then we become afraid of our pleasure because- now it's going to get me in trouble. Now it's going to get me kicked out. Now I'm going to be shamed for it. So that's what happens to us is humanity. And it's not until we are ready. It's not until like all things, it's not until you're able to be like, but you know what? That doesn't feel good. And our society does not run off pleasure as a resource, right? Mm. It runs off of pleasure as a reward or a luxury. And so that's not for you. So no one, at least not for me, no one ever said, pick the job that's going to make you feel the best. What job feels good to you? Does being a doctor feel good to you? Pick that. Does being an attorney feel good to you? Pick that. 
Nobody ever said to me, pick the school that's going to make you feel the best. My college was not a best situation, but because of my training of stick it through, you can handle this, make it happen. No one, no one in my years of college was like, do you feel good here? Hmm. Do you feel seen here? Do you feel held here? Are you comfortable here? And I think that's another thing that we're afraid of is comfort. And I think that's some of the things we, we as people convolute our words all the time. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you'll hear people say is get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you'll hear me say is get in your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Get comfortable being comfortable. You know, a lot of us will stay in situations like I did in college that aren't comfortable because we are taught to fight it. We are taught to barrel through. Nobody is looking out for what my pleasure is. I didn't even know that was part of a conversation. Yeah. Right. But when you are comfortable, you are safe physically, emotionally, mentally. You are heard. You are seen. You are fed. You are hydrated. You are feeling good. And you were then able to make a decision from a pleasured place and not a trauma or pain place. Mm. Being comfortable is a really big deal. So if you can make a decision from a comfortable place, if you can get comfortable being comfortable, that's going to shift everybody's world, right? Because mm. you're no longer like, <laughs> and sometimes it's a matter of regulating your own nervous system, right? Like, oh, that's triggering me. That is a trauma pain point. I have to go do some work. And that might take you some years to go do some work on that point, to come back and be like, okay, I'm comfortable now and I'm able to make a decision. Hmm. And so I'm curious then for, you know, for that, because you do hear the other side, right? Of like, oh, if you, you get comfortable and then you're just going to like stay in the same place and you're not going to grow and you have to like push your comfort zone in order to create change or to have something different than you already have. And so how do you see... Like, how do you see actually being in your comfort and making decisions from there? How does that still propel you forward towards what it is that you want or towards your growth and and not, you don't just get like stuck there? Like, mm. what would you say to that? It's the same as I would say about being in your pussy, right? It becomes an internal power. It becomes mm. this internal of like, that would not be comfortable for me. And absolutely continue to be aware of, where your fear is, right? Fear is a life-saving situation. So you need fear. You need to know when your life is in danger. Um, but, and also if you are constantly overstimulated and everything is a fear point, you are making decisions from fear and not from pleasure. So when you get comfortable, you are then making that decision. Let's say you're going back to choosing your college and you visit all the campuses and this one has the best program in the nation but it doesn't feel good for you to be on that campus. But if you go to the college that it feels good for you to be on that campus, where there are people that you feel like you can relate to, where you can find your own click, where you can be comfortable, where you can be safe, where you can be fed, that is gonna propel your life forward immensely versus trying to push through at a place that's the best in the nation. Mm. Because at the place that's the best in the nation that you're not comfortable, you're gonna be overstressed. Mm. You're gonna bear down. You're going to break down. You're going to break out. You're, you might even have a mental breakdown, right? Mm. But if you're in a place that is like, hey, how are you today? Really? Where do you need more space? 
How can I support you in this? Have you eaten today? And it's feeding you really good nutrition, right? Your growth is going to happen exponentially. You're going to be the tree that blooms and produces fruit versus the tree whose roots aren't secure. Hmm. Mm. That's such a good analogy. I love that. And yeah, because what I really experience in my own life and the way that I really teach around pleasure is that actually pleasure and, you know, I'm kind of hearing that as the same, you know, feeling of, of comfort, right, of being comfortable in our bodies, of feeling good, yeah. um, that that does support us in actually yeah. moving towards what it is we want. Because you mentioned earlier about it being sustainable, right? That yes. if we try and make a change or do something and there's no pleasure involved, then eventually we're going to fall off because it's it because it doesn't feel good and that's just not sustainable. Yes. <laughs> but when we can, when we know how to resource into our pleasure and we know how to tap into that internal resource that, like you said, it becomes our power. And then that actually supports us in, in pushing the growth edges, right. Yes. That are necessary. But like you said, from this place of, of feeling of our, of our pleasure, of our power, and not from a place of scarcity, trauma yes. trigger. Yes. And yeah. It's key to remember what you want, right? Mm. What you desire is actually going to be the fuel for your pleasure. Mm. So when you are living your pussy-centered life or your pleasure-led life, um, it's a matter of what you desire. And a lot of times what I hear from clients who initially sign on is their fear is like, that means I'm just going to be laying around eating strawberries all day. Okay, first of all, that's not going to happen. And second of all, and if it did, like, yay, what, <laughs> right? what would be the bad thing about you laying around eating strawberries all day? If you're allergic, clearly that's a problem. <laughs> but when you truly tune into your body's desire, they are not going to desire things that they're allergic to. So you're not going to lay around sitting around eating strawberries all day. If that's not what you want. If that is a deep subconscious desire that you ever have never allowed yourself to have, there may be a couple of days that you're laying around eating strawberries all day because the luxury of not having to answer to anyone and just eating this fruit. Okay, but that may be like one or two days of your entire life. You're then going to desire something else and that is going to propel your pleasure to move you forward towards that desire. Mm -hmm. And you're probably going to get so much like, like those days of lying around eating strawberries and your pleasure are going to be so restorative mm -hmm. and rejuvenating. And you're going to get mm -hmm. so much inspiration. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, you allow yourself to rest. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. So important. So important. And so I'm curious then how, so we've kind of talked a little bit about how yeah, pleasure is sustainable. It does actually help us move towards what we want. And what about when we do have trauma? Like how, mm. how can we use pleasure or how does pleasure become a resource or a tool when we are healing from trauma, which all humans are like all yeah. humans have trauma. So yes. how can, how can pleasure support us in that? The distinction that all humans have trauma, a lot of us think, oh, that's them, right? All of us, if you've been born on this planet in the last 5,000 years, you've yeah. got some trauma. Yeah. Um, and pleasure is that resource that helps regulate your nervous system. Mm. So when you are in your trauma state, whatever it may be, whether it be 
a big T trauma of a car crash or a saber tooth lion chasing after you or a small T trauma that someone like called you a name or you've now got shame around something. And honestly, to me, I think they're all big T's because mm. our nervous system reacts the same way. Mm, mm, so mm -hmm. when you are using pleasure as your tool of healing, pleasure is going to help regulate your nervous system. Pleasure is going to help regulate your hormones. Pleasure is going to increase the oxygen that's flowing to your brain and through your body. Pleasure is going to release all of the feel-good you know, chemicals in your body so that you're now actually feeling good. So even if it's like you notice that you're in a panic attack or you're notice that you're in a trauma response, and noticing, I want to say, is the first part of igniting in your pleasure, right? Because oftentimes, whether we're frozen or we're fawning or whatever our trauma response is, we're responding to that trauma. So we ha don't have the space to quite yet, oh, I'm responding to a trauma. Mm. And the moment that you're able to be like, oh, I'm responding to a trauma, you've already ignited your pleasure. You've mm. already said hey, this is a situation that is going to need another situation. Mm. And unlike Band-Aids, pleasure is more like a healing balm that mm. gets into the wound, that goes down to the root of the wound, that rewires your brain and mm. allows you to expand into a new place. So pleasure with trauma is, um, is a great way to bring your nervous system back to alignment in your body right it's a great way to bring your body back into alignment with your nervous system it's a great way to slow down your breath it's a great way to open up your brain it's a great way to expand your heart it's a great way to increase your oxygen it's a great way to reground you into this moment mm -hmm. and once you start using pleasure with your trauma you will kind of wrap your trauma around your pleasure so you like a lot of the practices that I'll do, particularly in expression circle, we will start with naming the trauma, the swamp, the emotion that we as people deem as bad. And mm -hmm. I'll like to tell you there's no bad emotion. Um, and we express it. And then you start to find yourself being like, oh, yeah, did you see me? That was kind of badass. Did you see that? That felt kind of good to yell, to cuss, to scream without doing any harm to yourself or anybody else, right? And then it's like, now how do we alchemize that even further? Let's go to your turn on and turn that on. It's like, oh, yes. And you become so empowered with your own emotion, which is energy in motion, that you are now moving yourself to the place of your desire. So mm. yeah, trauma is part of humanity, right? Like you said, if you're human, you've experienced trauma. And pleasure is part of humanity. Mm. Um, so to be able to allow your pleasure to support your trauma, right? Like create this cushion of cloudness and from this place. And sometimes it's actually creating a container of like, I need 15 minutes mm -hmm. and I need to not be bothered and finding a way to do no harm to yourself or any other being and express all the things, cry it out, yell it out, scream it out, cuss it out, you know, beat up a pillow. And that's going to feel good. 
It's when you are repressing your emotions, you are also suppressing your pleasure and your mm-hmm. joy. Yep. Um, I love to think of joy and pleasure as more of synonyms and your joy is your state of being and your pleasure is the action of which gets you to that state of being. Ooh, I love that. I've never heard that connected in that way. And I really love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And yeah, you know, just going back to all humans have trauma and even if somebody is like, no, no, really, I've, I've had a very blessed and privileged life. I really don't have trauma, but really we all do because even if it's somehow you somehow managed to escape, <laughs> somehow you've lived in a beautiful little bubble your whole life, which like, congratulations. That's yes. amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, we have it in our collective consciousness. Yes. We have it in our ancestral lineages, right? Yes. It is passed on through our DNA. Yes. And the truth is, like you said, for thousands, I mean, at least 5,000 years, who knows, who knows before that, um, there has just been so much trauma and, and we all have it. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of times we actually don't even realize that what we're experiencing is a trauma response, like being, you know, having a lot of anger, a lot, having mm-hmm. that where you go right to anger, um, you know, feeling really overwhelmed and shut down. Um, you mentioned fawning, right? If we're trying to like, you know, just like be people pleasing and just make sure people like us, right? Like those are all trauma responses. Yes. And so I'm curious if you could, I mean, you already did basically give us some like really beautiful example, but I'm wondering if you could break it down even more and like take an example of, you know, a kind of a common way that trauma might show up for someone and like kind of break it down step by step of like how you could actually use the tools of of pleasure to support yourself through that situation. Sure. So let's talk burnout, which is one of the things that we as a society have looked to reward like oh mm. you've worked yourself to exhaustion good job right like we have and that is part of why we don't recognize ourselves in trauma because we as a society have applauded that you worked at the same job that sucked your soul for 25 years so good so proud of you right like so we don't recognize our trauma responses because before like i said your pleasure was shut down so it's your trauma that everybody applauds Mm. um you know the fact that you've worked 18 hours in a day that you've Mm. committed to this job so let's take burnout burnout will show up in lots of ways thank you burnout i mean it's just like stress right stress will also show up in lots of ways and we underrate both burnout and stress. But it could show up as in it takes all that you have to take a shower. Mm. And then after you take that shower, you need to sit back down mm-hmm. and yeah, before you even get dressed. Right? Burnout can show up in the way that just the thought of going into work today mm. pisses you the fuck off. Burnout could show up when you are at the grocery store and someone is, you know, cutting in front of you or reaching for the last bag of cookies that you finally decided that you wanted. And the way that you are irritated with that person. So burnout can show up also in your clothes, right? Like if your material starts to irritate your skin, but this is a sweater that you wear all the time but now I I can't be bothered with this like I need to find something else Mm -hmm. um burnout can show up in your short temperedness 
It can show up in your exhaustion. It could show up in even the work output, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. like, let me just get this done. And you turn it in or submit it to your boss. And it's, if we were grading at C level, so it's fine. But you know that it's not really your best. You just needed to get it done. So burnout shows up in so many places. Um, And like I said, we're so used to it, right? Like your job is to work from the minute you open your eyes to your death. And we applaud that. Mm. And the way that pleasure can support that, it can, one, keep you from burning out. Mm. Mm -hmm. It can keep your light shining all the time even when you're resting, because what will happen is pleasure will say to you, this does not feel good. And so now you're trying to find something that will feel good. So yelling at your children or yelling at your husband or being irritated at the person at the grocery store, maybe later when you have a moment to be like, oh, that didn't feel good. So maybe if it's not a grocery store that you visit all the time, you don't go back to apologize to that person, but you find a way to start apologizing to yourself. Hmm. I'm sorry that I didn't acknowledge you were at your wit's end. What can I do for you? Hmm. How did I hurt you? Hmm. What boundary did I not keep? Hmm. Right. The Hawaiian Ho'opono Ono prayer is a great place to start. I love that. I'm prayer. sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And if you just start saying it to yourself, like you don't even have to know what you're sorry for, right? But if you just start saying to your heart, if you just start saying to your pussy or your cock, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. That's already going to change your burnout. Right. Mm. Because now your body knows that it can be trusted and your body knows that you can be trusted with your body. Mm. Right. That when I get to this point, you're going to call me back in. You're going to cuddle me back up. You're going to hold me deep. So it will actually pleasure will actually help prevent your burnout, because when you start becoming and creating the space of awareness, it's going to start small and Mm. then it's going to get a little bit bigger and bigger. That's going to be your first instinct of wait a minute, yelling at her, them, him, her, it's not going to feel good for me. And I don't want to have to do the cleanup that's going to come after that. So what would feel good for me first? Hmm. Well, yeah, that feels good. Why don't I invite them to breathe with me? And even mm. if they don't want to, just the mere invitation takes people off their guard. Right. Like if you're in a heated argument and you then notice that this is not feeling good for you and you stop and breathe and then you say out loud, I'm going to invite you to take some breaths with me. What? 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 To breathe? And even if they don't breathe with you and you actually stop to take your breath, the fact that you've stopped the argument to take the breath has prevented the burnout of the argument from continuing. Hmm. So getting present with your body, right? Feeling what you're feeling. But it all comes with first that little bitty step of awareness and creating the space for something else to exist, even if that's a thought, 
and that is part of the work, right? Thought work is part of what I call my 335 pleasure priestess methodology. Oh, but, oh yes. The five <laughs> like, is... I want to know more about that. <laughs> five is the works, what I call the works, the thought work, your breath work, your energy work, your somatic work, your movement work, and your sounding work. Mm, right? so I love that. If you have first the awareness, and that's that thought work of, ooh, this does not actually feel good. I don't want to be doing this with you or with me. I don't want to be using my voice to abuse you. I don't want to be using my voice to abuse me. I don't want to be representing myself in this traumatic way. Mm. I no longer want to be propelling violence forward. Mm. I want to be propelling pleasure forward. But Mm. I get to start with myself. And that is the key component, I think, to all things, you know, is yourself. Your relationship that you have with yourself is going to determine your relationship you have with everything and everybody else. It's true. It is true. And so as I'm hearing you, you know, share these, these things about pleasure and how to use it to, you know, prevent burnout and to address our trauma, which I agree with you in all the ways, (laughs) I agree with you in all the things (laughs) that part of that is because one of the the stories that I caught in myself and that I see in pretty much every other person that I support is we have this idea that actually our pleasure is first and foremost for somebody else, yes. right? Because that's how we've mm-hmm. been conditioned and trained as women and humans and female bodies, right? That yes. our pleasure actually for somebody else first. Yes. And so I think it's worthwhile to say here that for us to really be able to use pleasure as this tool in the way that you are sharing with us, that it's actually imperative that we first acknowledge and claim that like my pleasure is actually for me first. And I get to put that on me first and fill myself up first because then yes, because then I can take that breath. Then I can stop that argument. Yes. And, and the other thing that I find, you know, in those moments when I'm very like heated and in that argument, right? Like there might be a part of me that's like, this does not feel good. And there's another part of me that's like, this actually does feel good. And it's really their fault. And I'm going to scream at them. Yes. And we like get into that pattern where we're, yes. there's just like something that like, no, I just need to like blah, all over that. Yes. Yes. And so I find in those moments, pleasure is also so potent because it can be a pattern interrupter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It can interrupt me out of that pattern that if mm-hmm. even in that moment when I'm just wanting to scream at my husband, if I can actually maybe just take my fingernails and maybe just like drag them down my skin, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, Oh, it takes me out. You know, it interrupts that pattern. It creates that space that you were just talking about. It brings me into this moment of noticing like, oh, wait, how am I acting right now? And actually, I don't actually want to be expressing myself in this way. Yes. Yeah. And I think the key to that goes back to the conversation we had about how sometimes pleasure is assumed to be a bypasser, right? Like, well, that's just going to make me a doormat for everybody, or that's just going to And that's actually not the case. Pleasure means that you are feeling. You cannot have your pleasure and bypass any other feeling. So you're still going to get angry. Bad days are still going to fucking exist. You're still going to want to pull your hair out. You're still going to want to yell at your husband. These are things that are part of your human experience. And these are things that you'll get to learn when working with your pleasure 
how then do you alchemize them? How then do you use them, right? Energy and anger is a very important emotion. Yeah. It is from anger that lots of things have changed. It is from anger that lots of things have been brought to light. It is from anger that people who have been oppressed have been like, stop, this is not working. So anger is needed. And also how can we use that anger as fuel, right? How can we allow it to feed our pleasure Mm. versus beat down the person who is not Mm. in their pleasure, right? Like Mm. how can we allow that anger to feed our pleasure? How can you be that Kalima in your goddess or that volcano, right? There are natural disasters. Volcanoes are nothing but erupting fire. <laughs> so that, yeah. it's kind of needed. We need to burn stuff down. There's an occasion when we need to burn stuff down. But how can you use that anger to alchemize into your pleasure? How can you use that anger to feed your pleasure? And I think the thing that particularly women and people born in or socialized as female at birth we are taught that our bodies don't belong to us. Mm. So it's very hard to believe that our pleasure belongs to us. Mm. Like this whole Mm. entity, someone else gets to decide whether I have a baby or not. Someone else Mm. gets to decide, right? So when you step back into your body first and reclaim your body for yourself first, right? The mere fact that your lungs breathe for you. The mere fact that your heart is beating so that your body gets to exist for you. I say that your body is your soul mate. Your soul and your body agree to be together till death mm. do they part. Oh, they I are mated for each other, right? Mm. So when you can create the space of like, wait a minute, this is actually my body. Okay, then you can reclaim this is actually my pleasure. Mm. One of the analogies that I used recently is imagine that your body is a house for your soul Mm. Mm -hmm. and your creator, the infinite intelligence, God, whomever you believe or don't believe said to your soul, I'm going to build you a house and we're going to call it a body, but your pleasure is for everybody else. And your pleasure is really the kitchen. You are not allowed to go into the kitchen. You are allowed to feed the world from the kitchen. You are allowed to make sure your husband is fed from the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You are allowed to make sure that your husband eats all that he desires. You are allowed to birth children from this kitchen, but you are never allowed to be fed. Mm. Mm. You would starve. Mm. You would absolutely starve. So if you can reclaim your body, you can reclaim your pleasure. You can then reclaim your kitchen and you can learn to cook for yourself. Oh, I love that analogy. Oh my goodness. That is so powerful. Cause that, that literally is what we do. And we think that it's selfish to yes. feed ourselves first. Yeah. Because we've been uh, taught that. Cause we've been taught that. Um, and right. Cause a, a fear or whatever reason the world exists to have taught us that. And just like on an airplane, you know, they tell you all the time, look up here, even if you're a frequent flyer, listen them up. If the oxygen level changes, a mask is going to drop. Put your own mask on first before you help anybody else. Mm -hmm. So your pleasure is your own mask. It's your own oxygen mask. You have to be able to feed yourself. You have to be able to, I mean, the clitoris has over 10,000 nerve endings that were simply made for pleasure. And if you find that as a baby, you're like, (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) And it's not until you're shamed for it later, whenever that is, that you're like, oh, that's not for me. Right. So imagine staying connected to that resource from beginning of your life throughout your entirety of your Mm. life. Mm. Yes, please. Yes, please. That is what I am hoping for our Mm -hmm. future generations, right? That that we could maintain that beautiful connection from birth all the way through life Mm -hmm. and beyond. And And even even when we don't, there's repair. Yes, exactly. Exactly. There is always repair, always. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, just kind of going to the word pussy when I first started using the word pussy and I had this Facebook group that was called something else. And I changed the name to include pussy and people were just like, what? You cannot do that. Like that, like there is so much pain. There is so much trauma. There is so Mm -hmm. much associated that with that word that we can just never, ever, ever use it or reclaim it. Mm -hmm. And I just want to repeat what you just said is that we can always repair, we can mm-hmm. always reclaim, and truly the places of our deepest pain and our deepest trauma are actually portals into so much power yes. when we have the the courage to, to go there. And so I'm really, really glad that you brought up how pleasure is not meant to be a bypass of things, because that is something actually quite recently I've been kind of, this has been coming a lot that like, oh you know, pussy pleasure that it's just this focus on. Yeah. Just like pleasure and joy and feeling good. And like, yes, of course, but it is pussy encompasses the whole range of the spectrum. And like you said, we cannot actually experience our like real pleasure if we haven't already gone through, like if I'm trying to, if I'm tuning into my body and I'm like, there is no pleasure here. Actually, I'm feeling anxious and I'm feeling grumpy, right? Like for me to get to my pleasure, I get to be with my anxiety and my grumpiness yes. and, and do all of those points of work that you just so beautifully said, right? The, the thought work, the breath work, like feeling into my sensations, what is here, what needs to be expressed. And through being with what is truly there and letting ourselves be deeply in that experience and embody it, that is the portal into our pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I see pussy and pleasure not as this bypassy thing just so we can like be in a little happy bubble, but it's actually what can ground us into our power so that Mm. we can feel the difficult things so that we Uh can say the difficult things. And Uh just going back to what you shared all the way at the beginning, how part of connecting into the power of pussy and the power of pleasure that gave you the ability to speak up in a potentially uncomfortable situation with the white Mm -hmm. guy on the beach who said that thing to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you didn't, you didn't bypass it. You didn't just like shut your mouth and be like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Whatever. Stupid (laughs) white guy. Like you spoke up, right. Because being connected to pussy and being connected to our pleasure gives us that ability to move through that, which is Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, which we assume is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I love that clarification. Yeah. Right. Because we assume that if I speak up, this is going to create uncomfortability. If I say something, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I, right. So because as people pleasers, as women who are told that your body doesn't belong to you, that means your voice doesn't belong to you either. Mm -hmm. That means your brain doesn't belong to you either. That means your opinion doesn't belong to you either. And you'll Mm -hmm. only speak to you when we speak to you. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, shush, be quiet. And just look cute, right? So when you then reclaim your body and you reclaim your voice and you reclaim your brain and you reclaim your opinions and you reclaim your thoughts, you're like, oh, wait a minute. 
I'm only assuming this is going to be uncomfortable because I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. I could say the thing that changes this whole world around, right? Mm-hmm. I could be the energy that shows up and shifts this whole planet. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's going to be uncomfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And as people pleasers, right? It can be so uncomfortable when other people are uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> Yes, which is why we have, as people, a hard time holding space for other people's grief and tears and anger. That is a big tool that if you learn to hold space for your own, then you're able to hold space for somebody else's, right? Without trying to placate it, without trying to give them a tissue, without trying to tell them. The first thing we often hear other parents say or parents or people say to a child who is crying, don't cry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. What if I could say to you, cry, yep. give me all of your tears. Mm-hmm. I have space for all of your heartache mm-hmm. and I know it fucking hurts and cry your eyes out. Mm-hmm. That changes almost, everything. It brings me to tears just hearing you say that, right? Just being offered, right? That type yeah. of that holding and being seen from another person. Like, right. Oh, it's so needed. And that is comfortable. And that's what I was talking about in the beginning, right? Get comfortable being comfortable. It feels good to be seen. It feels good to be heard. It feels good to offer somebody else the space to be seen and to be heard. But we have been taught that those are bad things. Mm. We have been taught that emotions, particularly big emotions, are too much. Yeah. So we try to be too much and not enough at the same time. And we're caught in the two struck, right? Yeah. So be all of that you are. And that is the great joy and permission of pleasure. It is allows you to expand into all of your capacity and mm. all of your humanness, all of your sovereignty and all of your divinity. Mm. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yes. And along with that being getting comfortable with being comfortable along the lines of what we were just saying, also being comfortable with being uncomfortable, not Mm -hmm. in the way of like, oh, I'm just pushing through or like I'm in this, you know, this, this college or this space or whatever it is that doesn't feel good, but I'm just going to keep pushing through, like not in that way, but in the, the getting comfortable with the, maybe the discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. The newness, exactly. The discomfort of holding space for someone who's crying or the discomfort of picking up your child. And instead of saying, don't cry, just being like, of course, baby. Yeah. Cry, cry, Mm -hmm. which is something that I have always, because, you know, once you become a parent, you realize how, what conditioning actually is, which means that words just come out of your mouth without you thinking about it sometimes. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And how, automatic it is to say to a child in like such a loving way, like you're holding them, you're petting your back and you're like, don't cry, baby, don't cry. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what a powerful message to switch that into being like, yeah, baby, I hear you cry, cry, Mm -hmm. like give me those tears. Mm -hmm. Mm, I just love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's the permission. It's the permission to feel and it's the permission to express, right? And as we were talking about earlier, as children are that much closer to their divinity, they are immediately expressed. Children are expressed. And we as adults who have already learned to shut down our expression have a hard time holding space for theirs. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And we get to go back into our own expression of like, ooh, you know, when you get deeper, further deeper into your work, you're like, oh, you're crying triggers in me that there's going to be trouble or there's a belt coming nearby or, 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 and I'm afraid yeah. of this sound that you're making right yeah. now because of 
the perceived threat or the used to be threat that actually used to happen from the sound they made. That's a lot of healing backwards and forward. And that takes a lot of work and effort, right? So that's often also why I find that people are looking for the tools, trips, tricks, the bypass, because I don't want to do all that work. But it's like, what if I told you doing all that work actually felt good? Mm. What if I told you that you can do both and, right? Like Mm. you can be angry in a way that actually feels good. Mm. Mm. Right? And you don't have to do it all at once. That's the great, great other part. Um, And I think it is also important to remember a lot of times my male clients will come to me thinking that pleasure is for girls. Like Mm. that's, that's a girl thing. Like getting your nails done. That's a girl thing. My first question to them is always, have you ever gotten your nails done? Do you know what it means to sit in a chair that is there to just massage your entire body while your feet are in warm water? And then someone massages your feet and someone cleans and trims your toenails. They don't have to be painted. They don't have to be, unless you want that, right? Have you ever actually experienced someone massaging your hands? And if you're lucky, you have two people at once and two people are rubbing your feet and somebody else is rubbing your hands. Do you know what that feels like? I'm like, please take me there right now. Same. I'm so glad you brought the men in because I'm like, let's talk about the men for a second. Because, you know, I do you know, tend to talk about the patriarchy oftentimes in, in my work or in my writings or whatever, right. because it's just, it's just the the facts that we have mm-hmm. been living in a patriarchal system for the past mm-hmm. 5,000 years. And mm-hmm. it's just fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always really like to make the distinction that when we talk about patriarchy, we're not talking about men. Right. Because individual men, men have suffered just as much under yes. the repercussions of patriarchy as women yes. have, as all humans have. Yes. And so I'm curious, like, how do you see, like you said, like men come in thinking that pleasure isn't even for them. And so how do you see, like, what has the patriarchal conditioning done, done to men and not only in their connection to pleasure, but then how they show up for us because of Mm. that disconnection? Yeah, there's, uh, the patriarchy is a harmful system, uh, that has done nothing but harm uh, and created more and more violence. So one of the things that I see that it has done for men is it presents this idea that they already need to know. Mm. Once you become a man, there's no room for you not to know. Mm. So you already need to know how to have the best sex of your life. You already need to know how to give her the best sex of her life. You already need to know right from wrong. You already need to know the best way to lead. You already need to know how to be a man. You already need to know these things. Um, And it starts really young. Like, you know, we'll say to our five-year-old boys, man up. Like, Mm -hmm. you already need to know how to man up. Huh? How, how, How was I supposed to know this? Right? And so it doesn't leave room for them to question, for them to ask, for them to get curious, mm. for them to say, I actually don't know. Mm. Show me how to pleasure you. I actually don't know the way to the grocery store. Do I make a left here or right? I actually don't know how to do this thing. Show me how to do this job. Right? It doesn't leave a room for them to be curious. It doesn't leave room for them to grow. And in that I already know, like I have a lot of 
males who will or men who will approach me initially of like what is it that you do I'm like this is what I do oh well I'm good in that department I'm like okay because you already know <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> okay awesome and then my next question to you to them is what what level is your sex oh I'm a 10 in that department okay let's say that it's true let's say that you're a 10 what level are you receiving Oh, I'm probably receiving about a six. Hmm. Why do you think that is? Oh, because she doesn't know how to, and she doesn't know how to, and she doesn't know how to. Okay. But if you're giving a 10 and getting a six, there's a gap here. If you're giving a 10, you should be getting a 10. I can get you to get that 10 because once you tune back into your own body and into your own sensations and into your own pleasure and you stop worried about performing and you worry or your concern is now pleasure, that's mm. going to change what you give and what you receive, mm. right? And not just your sex life, but in your love life, in your body image conversation with yourself in your work life right it's going to change everything so the patriarchy has disconnected everybody not just women but everybody from their pleasure yeah 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 and so one of the things that i that i hear and that i've i've heard there are even like you know scientific studies done to confirm this um but i hear that that what men say they really want in bed is to actually bring pleasure to the woman. But they say that what women want to experience in bed is pleasure and that men want to experience giving pleasure to the woman or to, to the partner. And so I'm curious, um, do, do you, in the work that you do with men, like, do you find that to be true? That that is something that men desire is to be able to please their partner and that maybe that comes like, and that they're you know, part. And then in that conditioning of the, like, I should already know, I can't ask. It's like, well, I'm here to give pleasure. I'm supposed to already know. And so I'm just going to like bang her really, really, really hard because that's what I've seen on porn. That's how you're oh, supposed to do it. And this is going to yeah. bring her pleasure. And, and there's no space for me to actually admit, I don't know. And to ask. And so, yeah, but yeah. do you find that in general is true that like, that is what in general men want is to give their partners pleasure. Yes. Because I find in general, men's job is to serve. Mm. and whether that be to serve your pleasure whether that be to and yes once they know how to do that they can lead the way right mm. they can light the candles they can play your favorite song they can and also a lot of people that men who come to me are stuck in the pattern of it's one two three four orgasm or it's mm -hmm. one, two, three, four, five-ish orgasm. Mm -hmm. But it didn't work this last time. I'm like, yeah, because she's human. And so this time, one may not be what she really wants. So that comes into part of the, one of the threes of my methodology of the three principles of pleasure, consent, sensations, and anatomy. Mm. So when you give yourself as a man permission to not know, you then give yourself, as a man, permission to say, hey, baby, does this feel good to you today? Mm. Is this mm. what you want? Or tell me what you want. Mm. Right? It's a big difference when you know what someone wants 
to serve that pleasure versus to serve them what you assume they want to have. So yes, I find that a lot of men come to me with the, their subconscious level when you get down to it is I just want to serve her pleasure. Yes, sweetheart, because that is your actual job on the planet. And I think that's also part of our dysfunction with the patriarchy, right? We have men believing that they're to be these great embodied leaders and they're supposed to already know how. But actually their leading comes from service Mm -hmm. and they're to be these great embodied people in service to Mm. pussy and pleasure. And so when they are connected to that as their goal, it then shows up in their leadership. It then shows up in the way that they vote. It then shows up in the way that they spend their dollars. It then shows up in the way that they voice. It then shows up in the way that they raise their son. Mm. But when we live in a society and a world that is patriarchal, we have cut everybody off from not only their pleasure, but their divinity as well. I can't have you knowing how godlike you are because you're going to be expecting some things. <laughs> I'm not doing all that. <laughs> I'm going to go in with what I know. I'm going to give you what I want you to have. And we're going to call that Christmas. Yeah. But you didn't ask me. And if you asked me, and if I am attached to my body and my pleasure, I can tell you that doesn't feel good to me today. Could you do a little harder, a little rougher? Could you call me babe? Could you call me something else? Wait, like then we're attuned to that. When we allow the space to allow, we're able to reconnect to that. Mm. So when men who come to me get down to the bottom point of, I just want to serve her pleasure. That is awesome because pleasure is reciprocal, right? You mm. can receive pleasure watching someone else be in their pleasure. Mm. Absolutely. And you can receive pleasure being the initiator of their pleasure or the facilitator of their pleasure. The problem becomes when you assume you are responsible mm. for their pleasure. Mm. There's a difference for being responsible and in service to. When you're in service to their pleasure, I want to know what turns you on. What do you want? How do you like it? When you're responsible for their pleasure, well, it's five o'clock. We got to be right here by 5.05. So let me just, uh, all right, you should be done now, right? You're good. No. <laughs> oh, I love that you said that. That was actually another like huge um, epiphany for me when I realized that I was subconsciously putting the responsibility for my pleasure on my partner, who was my mm-hmm. husband at the time, that like there was actually a part of me that believed that I was, because since I hadn't fully awakened into my own sexual pleasure yet. Like sex could be a little bit of a chore for me. Like it's like in theory, I wanted to do it, but in actuality, I often didn't. And so I had this belief that like, okay, well, if he wants to have sex with me, then like, he's got to turn me on. Like mm-hmm. he's got to do it. It's his work. And and my husband could feel that. Right. And, and right. he, and like, that was a burden on him as well. And so it was so empowering for me to realize both of these things, right. That, that my pleasure was for me first. And I was actually responsible Mm. for my own pleasure. (laughs) And so I'm curious, like, I certainly hope I have men listening to this podcast, but (laughs) 
But for our beautiful women and pussy having humans out here who are, or maybe have a male partner and that they're, they're hearing this conversation and they're like, oh, he actually wants to be in service to my pleasure. Like how can we as the pussy havers show up in a way that, that supports our male partners in, in being able to serve our pleasure? Mm. First, taking responsibility for your own pleasure, right? Like if you like romance, start romancing yourself. Start mm-hmm. buying yourself flowers, whatever romance is for you, right? Like start taking yourself out, start turning music down or turning music up or turning music on, right? Whatever that is for yourself, take responsibility for your pleasure and pleasure yourself first. He will follow your lead. Like you said, your partner picked up on the energy of, hey, you want this? You're going to have to do all the work. Men are also in their great divinity, energetic beings. And they will pick up on whatever energy it is you're putting down and they will amplify it and they will bring it back to you, whether you know that or not, or whether they know that or not. Right. So same is true when you're in an argument. If you're thinking you never love me, they're now thinking I never love her. And right. So it becomes this vicious cycle. If you're thinking "Mm, I love the way you love me. They are now thinking, oh, I'm actually doing it right. Mm. right and everybody wants to be doing it right so do yourself right right do yourself do yourself learn your body learn what pleases you and what doesn't please you and then show and share that if you are in a space where your partner wants to know how to please you you need to also know how to please you it's a show and tell right yeah so today i'm showing up with my pussy this actually feels good this does not feel good (laughs) (laughs) you get to you get to pleasure yourself first and they will follow your energetic lead and they will follow your actual example Mm. you get to create the space for allowing right you get to create the space for allowing yourself to also not know and be like i don't know if i would like that let me try it okay let's try it together oh no i don't like it oh yeah i do like it Right. And it's the same that's true with our vegetables, right? They come in a variety of colors. They come in a variety of textures and there's a variety of way to cook them. Maybe you like them steamed. Maybe you like them lightly steamed. Maybe you like them fried. Maybe you like them roasted. Maybe you like them with garlic salt or with butter or with, you know, and so in the same way, pleasure is a variety. And so that is, I think, the biggest thing for us pussy owners is to learn our own pleasure first and learn how to feed ourselves with our pleasure, and then learn how to share our recipes that we've learned with the men in our life. Mm, I love that so much. And I will just completely agree with you. I mean, I agree with you on all of it, but really this piece of like, as the women we then lead or, or we, I forget how you just said it so beautifully, Mm -hmm. but like we, we kind of like lead the way right with that, because I mean, I, a man can help enhance the pleasure by, yeah, asking questions, being willing to be curious, not knowing the answer, you know, asking you what you want, getting to know pussy, like paying attention. Of course, there's like all of these things that that he can do to support our pleasure. But if we are not there, if we're not able to receive that pleasure and yeah. open up to that pleasure, like we're still yes. not going to go anywhere. Right. But... <laughs> 
But if as is as the pussy haver, if we can be open to that and and open to receiving that and taking that responsibility for our pleasure and saying yes to that and and saying yes to the curiosity and the exploration and the communication so that it can be better, like we're the ones who can just keep increasing, 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 increasing mm. the pleasure. Like we are actually the ones who have the capacity for us to be expanding and and it's it's really we get to lead the way in this. Like we get to take the responsibility for embracing our pleasure and, and inviting everyone into it with us. Yeah. yeah. Or everyone we want to invite into exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yes. my goodness. Well, Torin, I'm, I'm like, oh, what? Look at the time. Where did oh the time go? I'm like, I could just keep talking with you. And I sure hope that we, I'm sure that we will. <laughs> yes. I'm sure that we um, too. But I would just love to take this opportunity as we as we start to wrap up here. Is there is there anything that is on your heart or your pussy to share that I didn't ask you about mm. and that you would love to share with us now? Just that everybody is a voluptuary. Everybody gets to be devoted to their pleasure and their luxury. And may you go forth and allow yourself to receive and allow yourself to be curious. Have some fun. Get to know your pleasure again today and get to know your pleasure again tomorrow and be devoted to what feels good. Mm. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm sure at this point in the conversation, people are like, oh my goodness, where can we get more of Torin? (laughs) I need more of Torin. (laughs) So tell us my beautiful voluptuary. Mm. Yes, you did. Sounds so good. Yes. My gorgeous, gorgeous voluptuary. Please tell us where can the people find you? The people can find me on the interwebs. I am Torin McGill all over the interwebs on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Spotify. I think on Spotify, I'm the Pleasure Priestess. TikTok, I'm also the Pleasure Priestess. There's a TorinMcGill.com and you can get on my Pleasure Bulletin and receive all this juice in your inbox directly to you. So good. And we will make sure to include all of the links in the show notes so that you can find Torin in all of the places. And uh, thank you so, so much. This has been such a delight. Thank Mm. you for sharing your vibrancy and your beauty and your knowledge and your wisdom with us today. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for holding the space, Jenny. It's always a great pleasure to be in energy and in time and in space with you. So thank you for your magic and thank you for holding the space for mine. Thank you so much for spending this time with me here on the Pussy Centered Living Podcast. If you loved this episode, you can best show your gratitude by sharing it with a friend or sister who would also benefit from this message. And of course, please hit subscribe so you never miss a juicy and delicious episode. And while you're at it, please leave a five-star review so we can get the power of pussy out to as many humans as are ready for it. Thank you, and I love you. Mwah!